Welcome to Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. Be part of a conversation between Graham Hood, champion fisherman, airline pilot and school dropout, and Ali Gonzalez, wannabe fisherman and holder of more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. What could these two possibly have in common? The fact that neither of them have anything to hide. That's what. Mates in Courage. Take a listen. G'day, Graham. I've got a word for you today. Oh, what's this one? <laughs> G'day, Ellie. Knowing me, it's a highly intellectual term because I've got more degrees than you can poke a stick at. Yeah. You ready? I haven't got any. No. So I don't want to bamboozle you here, but here's the word. Mm-hmm. Codependence. Oh, you had to bring that up. Yeah, I know. I'm touching a sore point there. Yeah. This much I know about codependence. Mm. Probably 90% of the planet struggle with it. I know there's a good codependence and there's one that's not healthy. Because when you hear the word codependent, this is what I think of, right? It's a, a woman who's being physically abused at home, bashed up by a drunk husband, and then, you know, he promises he'll, he'll do better next time and he won't hurt her, but he does it again and again and she just puts up with it and that's her life. Uh, ends up in hospital explaining the bruises away and whatnot. She fears for her life. She runs away multiple times, goes back to him. Then there's a tragedy and she ends up dead. And you ask the question, why didn't she leave? Codependence. Codependence. Codependence, yeah. It's a woman's thing, isn't it? I wish it was because then I wouldn't have struggled with it all my life. Nor me. I know how mine started. It might help if I unpack where mine came from. And then I'll I'll unpack where mine come from. Let's share our our codependence, mate. (laughs) Let's let's be codependent. Are we codependent of each other? Now, I've got to say, Mm. no, we're not, most definitely. I've got to say, Graham, that you are one of the least likely suspects in my (laughs) mind or many people's minds for being someone who's codependent. Like... You're a man's man, you're a champion yeah, yeah, fisherman, yeah, you, yeah, you right. fly for Qantas, you ticked off all these achievements, uh, self-made. Why, you know, what could be wrong? I just spent a lot, a lot more years at covering it up than you have. Mm, I just discovered it more recently. Yeah. But as we were talking about what we're going to talk about, yep. codependency, and we're thinking, where do we start? For me, I remember that uh, I had a brother who was 12 years older than me. Everything seemed to happen to me around about the age of five for some reason. Maybe that's a starting point I go back to that I can remember. Mm-hmm. But my uh, my mum and dad were very dysfunctional in their marriage. My beautiful mum had a sex addiction, a chain-smoking alcoholic, a woman that was driven from intense pain in her childhood. She had a terrible childhood. My dad, uh, child of the Great Depression, went through immense pain as well. Uh, he was a workaholic. And a veteran. And a veteran. Mm-hmm. Had been had served in uh, the Middle East and in the Pacific, was five yep. years at war. Now, he came back with all that baggage. And, and the more you listen to the history or read the history of what happened to those guys during the world wars, it was horrendous, mm. absolutely horrendous, and Vietnam. So I was very conscious from the age of five that my parents were dysfunctional mm. as a couple. Mm-hmm. I love them both dearly. Mm. They're both dead now, and I still love their memory. Mm-hmm. But I felt very insecure in their relationship. And back in those days, somebody I asked somebody the question, what happens to you if your mum and dad aren't married anymore? 
And the response I got, and I think it was from someone in the schoolyard, oh, you get sent to an orphanage? Great. Now, that hung on me all of my life, that if my mum and dad separate, then I'm going to end up in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. So as a five-year-old boy, I set out to keep my mum and dad married so that wouldn't happen to me. Noble goal. A noble goal, but an impossible task for a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I became addicted to codependency then. Now, what did I do? Dad would be mowing the lawn out the back and I'd go to the fridge and I'd get a glass of ice water and take it out to him. And he'd say, oh, that's nice, son. That's nice of you to do that. Oh, I didn't want to do it, Dad. Mum said, look at him. He's out there working really hard. He's such a good father and he's such a good husband. You take this out and give him my love. So I took the water out and gave it to him and I said that to him and he said, "Um, did your mother really say that? I said, yeah, Dad, she really, really loves you. And then I'd go inside and I'd say, oh, I took Dad a glass of water, Mum. And she'd say, oh, that was nice of you, sweetheart. You know what, while he was drinking it, he was looking through the kitchen window at you saying how beautiful you are and how much he loves you. Wow. Did he really say that, sweetheart? <laughs> yeah, he really did, Mum. Honest, he did. That's amazing. Mate, I spent my whole life doing it. And, and when... It would have been very stressful. It was incredibly stressful. And they eventually did break up, and they broke up when I, not long after I got married to my first wife. And I just carried on the same behaviour with her mm. and with everybody else in my life. I would always pay the bill at the restaurant So you're trying to, trying to manipulate them so that... For my own happiness. For your own happiness. Maybe there's the definition. Mm. Now, you don't feel like it's manipulation at the time because you feel like a martyr. You feel like you're doing everything for everybody to for their good. Yeah. But in actual fact, quite often you spend a lot of time and effort holding people together that should not be together anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's where my codependency started. What about you? Probably similar. Yeah, there, there's similarities there. My father and mother grew up in the years after the Spanish Civil War in fact, that happened when they were very small. It's pretty intense. Yeah. So they lived through, you know, atrocities and and murders and starvation and whatnot. And my father learnt to cope by shutting himself off from the world and becoming quite hard, having to be right in, in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother went the other way. Instead of become, becoming harder, she became very soft, in fact, if codependency is inherited, I inherited it from my mother. I mean, yeah. we, it's not inherited. We learn from, from our parents. I learned it. I learned how to be a, a loving person from my mother. Yep. She had no personality. She never told stories about herself. That she, she, she'd say her life wasn't interesting. All she'd do is, is sit around with us and listen to my father's great stories. I thought I had a perfect childhood, but in reality, my childhood was quite dysfunctional. My father never, ever hugged me because he never showed affection. He never, ever kissed me, never, ever praised me. I thought that was normal. That's just what fathers do. Mm-hmm. And my mother, I mean, she was very loving and tender-hearted. I inherited a lot of that from her, but my mother wouldn't... Uh, open her arms to hug us or come to us to show us love or affection. She wouldn't praise us. We had to go to her because she just didn't have the freedom to do that um, because she had no life of her own. She she had completely lost her personality. Am I making sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's really strange because she loved us deeply, but 
she kind of, you know, I mean, my father didn't express any emotion and and despite her, her really loving big heart, it, she had to keep it under chains somehow. So what happens to little kids and, and probably happened to you and, and uh, a counsellor told me this, there's a book written on this, is that kids, little kids, to develop a healthy self-identity, they have to find it when they're really quite small in a significant adult you know, mm. it's usually a mum, mum or dad, yeah. someone that they can go to where they can feel safe. In a sense, even though I loved both my parents for different reasons, I couldn't find that in either my father or my mother. And so my life was all about, since I wasn't given love spontaneously or naturally or shown love in the ways that I understood it, because, you know, in another podcast we are talking about the five different love languages, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about verbal affirmations and physical touch, mm-hmm. right? That's why I was talking about hugs and praising before, right? Yeah. And because I wasn't naturally given any of that, I only ever received, actually, I never received it, but I sought it all the time, mm. right? Mm. And so I learned to seek praise. I learned that uh, if I was any good, other people had to tell me and I had to get other people to tell me. So I would manipulate people to tell me how wonderful I was without even thinking about it consciously. Yeah. And you would have seen those behaviours in me as, yeah, as, an, as an adult. You yeah. know, um, I mean, I still do them occasionally because we're always recovering, aren't we? Yeah. But more so, let's say, 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? Which is why you would always say to me, get over yourself, Ellie. You know, you don't need to get people to tell you how great you are, because everyone thinks you're great. But I never think I am, really. And so I learnt those behaviours, but but they were unsuccessful anyway, so uh, I threw myself, like Michelle did, you know, she was saying in another podcast, you know, after her sexual abuse, that's Michelle, your wife, how she threw herself into academics. Well, so did I. I was no good at sports, so no one's ever going to tell me how great I was at sport. I could tell you some funny stories about Ellie's great moments in sport. Can we do a program on that? Yeah, we could. Call it Ellie's great moments in sport. No, call it our moments in sport because I've got a bunch of them too. Oh, great. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, let's do that. That makes me feel better. So I threw myself into academics because I could actually do pretty well there. I've done that all my life, really. So I've actually been very unfair on those around me and very unfair on my friends as well. I'm not just talking about my wife my children, but, you know, I've been unfair on those people who have actually cared for me, even if they haven't been related to me, because, okay, so we've just been to lunch, all right, mm-hmm. uh, just before we did this podcast, Yeah. and you know that around the table there were some pretty interesting people. Yeah. Now, just reflect about this. How much did I say? Not as much as you used to. No. I was happy to listen and enjoy the conversation. I didn't have to guide the topics to areas that Actually, were interesting. Actually, you come to mention it. That's very true. That were about me, you know. It always had to be about me, just in case someone would say something good about me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember the old Ellie? I do. That's because I'm recovering, right? That was codependent Ellie. Yeah, but I'm really good mates with the old Ellie too. What happens I'll now? just get used to the new one. Yeah, just getting used to the new yeah, one. Yeah. Still plenty of rough edges to work on, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was certainly very unfair. I've been very unfair on my wife and on my and on my kids, because you know where I wanted to get all the acceptance and love that my father didn't give me, for example, I then projected that on my wife after we got married. That's just not not fair. It's not and right. Me. And and you and others, right? 
and my kids. So, you know, I... That's what I used to say to you. Yeah. Whenever you, I felt you were putting that pressure on me, I used to say you need to get over yourself. Yeah. Now, how did I know to say that to you? I don't know, and I didn't have a clue what you meant. Well, I knew to say it to now you because it was identical to what I was doing. Because we are both, Graham, we are both profoundly, not just codependent, profoundly codependent. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's resulted in, let's just say, significant relationship issues for mm. for both of us because when you're codependent, you don't, you don't know how to have healthy relationships. I think I must be getting a lot better because there would have been a time whenever you paid me a compliment, you paid several lists, you pay them every time we do a podcast and sometimes I feel a bit uncomfortable about it, but there would have been times when I would have been speaking in order to get that gratification. And now when it comes, I think, oh, well, that's nice, but whatever. I'm not doing it for that anymore. But there was a time when my opinion of myself was so low that everything I did was in was done to glorify who I was because I felt so low about who I was in my own heart. And I'm not even thinking it anymore that I'm mm. actually paying you a compliment because yeah. it is coming from my own heart yeah. and I don't care what you think about it yeah. or whether you pay me a compliment back. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, we've both come a long way, Graham. We have, but where do we go realising that we have this issue in our life? And we're, we're talking probably to a lot of people who can relate to it. Well, see, no, I said to you in the beginning, Graham, didn't I? No one would think that you were codependent, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people who knew me wouldn't have thought that I was codependent either, right? Because I was this big leader in church and always had opinions and, uh, you know, I got things done. And yeah. I just want to set this straight for, for men out there that being codependent doesn't mean that you come across as weak. You might come across as strong. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah. It's about your relationships and it's about your sense of identity and who you are, isn't it? Who are you? Me? Mm. I'm, I'm a man who's very excited with his life, who's growing all the time and who, who is, is just learning to be more grateful and uh, learning to be a better me. And there's no limits to that. Thank God. It's fantastic. What'd you say? Thank God. Yeah. What's he got to do with it? What's he got to do with it? Well, codependence is a is a pretty black pit, Graham. You need divine help. You do. You do. I was. I'll tell you something funny. This is this is funny. I was. Um, I went to this community meeting, right, where people knew a little bit about what I did, and there was a, a young mum there. She asked me for some advice. She, actually, actually, she said, "Are your kids easy when they're toddlers?" Or when they're teenagers, and she had toddlers. And I said to her, oh, when they're teenagers, no sweat. And she couldn't believe it, right? And so we got talking about this. And she, she asked me, well, how have you learned to grow as a person? And I basically told her it was through great brokenness, having to face situations in my life where I couldn't deal with myself anymore. And coming to the point where, you know, my worldview and my understanding of who I was and my life and, and the way the world worked didn't work anymore. And I said, and that's had to happen several times. And this young mum was amazed. And she basically said to me, she's 22 or something, she said, I can't identify with that. I read all these self-help books, so I'll be right. And I thought yeah. to myself. I used to do that. Yeah. Did they help? Short-term fixes. They yeah. never lasted. No. Nah. But when you reach those moments in your life, yeah. 
you know, where you realise that you ain't working and nothing you can do ain't working. That's why I say thank God. Thank God, yeah. Because he does work. If it wasn't for a higher power, I'm not the type to, you know, take extreme action against myself, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. But I tell you what, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, uh, living such a great life and in such a great frame of mind. I have a very addictive personality. It's got me in strife in the past, as we know. But uh, I would have easily gone into full-on alcoholism and, and, and drugs, never gone there. And that's thank God. Yeah. Because that's that's where codependence can you know, lead you. Because basically a codependent person has a need for love that is so profoundly selfish, in a sense, that your wife can't fill it, even no matter how she loves you. Your children can't fill it, your friends can't fill it, your footy team can't fill it, your church can't fill it. The only way that a, a codependent person can escape from the trap is to realise that only God can fill that void. That's it. There's a God-shaped hole in our chest that's waiting to be filled by a God-shaped heart. And I said it's a selfish need. Mm. It's selfish in the sense that it's it's self-centered because it's a, it's it's a need. Talk about you. Yeah, it's a, it's never having received or accepted love in your life. It's either you've never been shown love or you've never been able to accept it. You know, and that was my father's case. Yeah. You know, my father was shown plenty of love, but he was never able to accept it and receive it. He never felt worthy of it. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I mean, I didn't really mean selfish, but it is selfish in the sense that it, it feels so intense. Mm. We were all made, ultimately, to be loved by God, Yeah. right? Yeah. We are meant to be loved with an infinite love. And the love that powers um, my life isn't Anna's love, you know, isn't my wife's love, it isn't my kid's love, it isn't yours, your love. It's a love that comes from God. It's an infinite love. And because it's infinite and completely unconditional, I can love others and I can have great relationships. I can build relationships. I can heal my relationships. That's how it works. That's a non-codependent way of seeing it. But a codependent way is when I put the onus on, on my wife to supply that need that only God can supply. And because she can't supply it, then I blame her and I become bitter and, and twisted and, and everything spirals. Yep. So I've been yeah. going for a while there, Graham. That's really good. Yeah. Because you're giving me a bit of a break. But in the same process, I go back to what I said a minute ago, the God-shaped hole that lives inside each of us that we try to fill with everything other than God can only be filled with a God-shaped heart. Mm. The stress of trying to maintain relationships disappears because all you've got to do, Jesus said it himself. You know, what are the greatest commandments? He said to the person who asked the question, love the Lord your God with everything you've got and love your neighbour as you love yourself. So loving your neighbour means that you wouldn't lust after his wife because you wouldn't want him to lust after yours. Mm. You wouldn't lie about him because you wouldn't want him to lie about you. Mm Mm-hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto others as they have done to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know the Ten Commandments. The first four are all about the relationship with God mm-hmm. and the remaining six are about our relationships with each other, I think. That's about right. That's about right. So if we love God in the knowledge that he loves us, now that we're not talking about a dictator who's waiting to see us crash and burn. Mm-hmm. We're talking about someone who loves us with an infinite love that that forgives Mm -hmm. and that's there to love and support no matter what goes down the pike. That's the kind of love that sustains us through 
every issue we have with codependency, every issue that we have in life, every issue that we have that takes us to the edge of wanting to end our life, every time we feel rejected and unloved, if that notion of God's love in our heart is as strong as he wants it to be, Mm -hmm. then we'll never feel alone Mm. and there's no need for codependency. Let me ask a question here for anyone listening. If people are wondering whether they might be codependent, what are some signs to look out for in their lives, in their relationships, in their thought patterns? Okay, well, if something you really want to do and feel you should do is put away for the sake of somebody else and the thing you do to make someone else feel better is actually not what you really feel you should do or want to do, mm-hmm. that's codependency. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a, a man about to turn 40. He'd been living in a beautiful, loving marriage mm-hmm. with his wife, was so it would appear, and he had a fantasy that his wife would bring another woman to his marital bed for his 40th birthday. Okay. That's what he wanted. Right. He said to his wife, I'll tell you what I want for my 40th birthday. I want you to bring another woman into our bed with us. And she agreed. Oh, okay. Even though it ripped her heart out to agree. A real story? A real story. Okay. It ripped her heart out to agree. Now, she spoke to somebody seeking advice, and that person gave her the right advice. You are not helping your husband. You're actually exposing him to a level of sin that could destroy him by doing this. Mm-hmm. You're exposing yourself to a level of sin that could destroy you by doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're also doing it to the other woman. Mm-hmm. And you're also doing it to your children because they will suffer as a result of this move. Mm-hmm. Is that really what you want to do? And she prayed about it and she got up the courage and she went to her husband. She said, I, I love you dearly and I would give you anything you wanted, but I will not give you our destruction. Mm-hmm. And what you're asking for is our destruction. And I love you and me too much to do that. And he thanked her for it. He said, you're right. And he said, I felt really bad about asking you. Now, the fact that she was prepared to do it and she even had somebody in mind to ask is codependency. Mm -hmm. The fact that she didn't do it was because she put a higher value on his integrity and hers and God's ultimately to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's how we counteract codependency but first we have to know that we've got it and we have to admit that we've got it we have to step out of denial now you know i've had a very difficult journey through that um myself Mm. and you know i've I've talked to you from time to time i'm not talking about inviting other women into my marital bed by the way i just want to be clear about that yeah yeah (laughs) but i i just want to point out how difficult that journey is you have to come to a point where you make a decision basically I can't do this anymore. And that's really, that's the really hard thing. I mean, there's several critical points in in overcoming codependency. And yes, we talked about the fact that, you know, we're believers in, in Christ. You need God's help. I'm sure there's good, you know, secular psychologists and therapies you can follow that will also be helpful, but nothing is as helpful helpful as God. No, it's you been know, my experience. Um, either by himself or alongside these, you know, therapies. I'm, I always recommend people to get external professional help in these situations and shop around, basically. Yeah. But there's certain decision points in my journey. The first one is to recognise that you're codependent, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I never understood or recognized that I was codependent I always thought I was the opposite I was very strong very firm in my views I knew where everything was at and when things started falling to pieces in my life I didn't understand why 
suddenly. I think the key tipping point, and you know, there were many, uh, let's just say, hard times and issues I had to face, but the key tipping point was my father's suicide, mm. and that really made me sort of reflect. And I didn't, I didn't understand immediately. It took a number of years of processing, talking to people, talking to you, to realise the reason for my addictive behaviours and the reason for my thought patterns and, and why my relationships around me were the way that they were. And it wasn't easy for me. It took years to realise that I was actually profoundly codependent. Yeah. And I needed help. And, I mean, I could get a lot of help. I had to seek it. But ultimately it came down to the decisions that I made so the first decision point is, is yes, I had to admit that I was codependent. And the second decision point was I had to reach a point of brokenness in my life mm. where uh, I realised that I had to take a stand mm. and make a choice and set boundaries and be very prepared to live with the consequences of those boundaries in my yep. life. Yep. That was even harder. And you know what, Ellie, at the end of the day, if the people, significant people in our lives will only be in our life because we're codependent and we, we're denying all of our needs for the, the sake of them, then are they really the people we should be in relationship with in the first place? That's the burning question. If we need to sacrifice so much in order to get a modicum of love from these people, are they the right people for us in the first place? And the other thing I know about codependency is being on being a codependent myself, is that when you're in full flight in your codependency, you lose an awful lot of respect from people. Mm -hmm. The people you love actually stop respecting oh, you because yeah. of it. Yep. And, and that only makes it worse because you need, you need to get that respect back even more and the love even more so you become more codependent. Yep. And when really all we've got to do is say, you know what, what other people think of me is really none of my business. So yep. It's what God thinks of me that's important. I lost the respect of my kids. For a time. Yeah, for a you time know? you did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. So, yeah, you're, you're dead right. Yeah, and I did with my kids as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's an issue that everybody needs to consider, and if that's a driving force that holds our relationships together, then our relationships are in big trouble. Mm -hmm. We need to sort them. Yeah. Because we're only making the situation worse. Now, I've got to tell you, the only fix I've ever found is Jesus. I went to every self-help group, I went to every seminar, I went to I bought every book, I watched every DVD. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, for 50 years I denied Jesus mm -hmm. and at the end of the day he was there all the time. Mm. I got to a stage where I realized that somebody I'd never met 2000 years ago mm. died so that a horrible death so that a filthy porn addict like me could have a second chance. That's one way to put it. And I'm grabbing that gift with both hands now. Mm. I act in ways often that where I feel like I don't deserve it, but there's a, another power at play that makes me want to feel that way, and I'm not giving into that anymore. Mm. All I know is that the God I love wants me to be in a in a loving relationship with Him and see Him who He for who He really is, and that is not a vindictive dictator, but someone who really wants to spend eternity with me in heaven. Yeah. Why would you want to spend eternity with yeah. a God anything other than that? The God I love is a God who loves me for who I am. Yep not for what I do yep. or who I pretend to be. Doesn't that set you free? He doesn't care that I've got more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. He doesn't care how many big fish I catch. No. What does it matter? How freeing is that? Yeah. You're, 
you are loved, full stop. You know, You're we, accepted. You're worthy. We do a lot of healing work in our ministry, but one day, not long ago, we Michelle and I woke up and realized that God doesn't need us to heal anybody. Ooh. He wants us to heal. And in, in our ministry, a lot of the stuff we do has been to our benefit as much as anybody else's, that we've grown from that. I'm also grateful to God that I lived through and survived the darkness of my past mm-hmm. so that I can enjoy the light of his present and my future with him. Yeah, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah, I'm really I'm really glad of that. I'm really glad of that. Are we just talking to ourselves here, Graham? Like, you know, men out there, aren't they're not codependent because they're all tough. Um, do you think this is a, a big problem? It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Because you, you see a lot of people. Yeah, well, you know, you look, you think about the, the people in your life. You and I have got mutual friends. Yeah. I know some who struggle less with it than others, but most of the people I know that you and I have as mutual friends struggle with it. Mm-hmm. We won't name them. No. But they're there. Uh, well, so many of them that I'm thinking of several. I don't know who you mean and don't say it. Yeah. So that's fine. There's several. Do you, you love know? the ones that you know are codependent? Yeah. Yeah, so do I. People might be thinking that's because, um, you know, Graham and Ellie are these lily-livered, wussy Christians. What about people in uniform, you know, uh, police officers, fellow pilots that, you know, you work with? You reckon codependency is prevalent there? It's huge. Just not recognised, I guess. Look, because we don't talk about it. Yeah, I talk about this stuff to uniform men at work. Yeah. You know, all the guys I work with are in uniform and I talk about this stuff. I've had some of them weep Wow. when they realise that what we're talking about relates to them. I, I don't know too many men that these issues don't relate to. What is a uniform? It's just a it's a dust cover on a book. Mm. What is a uniform? It's symbolic of somebody who's got it all together, someone with authority. <laughs> Whose authority? I want to act in God's authority. And that doesn't need a uniform. It needs an attitude. I don't think we're lily livid or wusses. I was saying that for effect. How many <laughs> how many men and women I think we're courageous. Mates encourage. We are. Yeah. How many men and women We've have got faced, guts to face it. Have faced major issues in their life, even in wartime, where they put it all on the line because they know that there's a higher power that's that's got it covered for them and that's worth fighting for. So in the work that we do, Graeme, uh, you know, we try to help men mm-hmm. uh, with some of these issues. Mm-hmm. We both know we are profoundly codependent. Have you recovered yet? Um, no. No? No, not but- fully. What are you doing talking about it then? Well, because that's how we grow. Oh. I'm probably I'm probably going to deal with my codependency a lot better after this conversation than I would have before we had it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, you, you know, I, am I completely over my porn addiction? I can't guarantee that I am. I don't think I am. I think I'm learning to live with it and I'm denying its impact on my life through the power of Christ. Mm. More and more so. I mean, I, I thought I had that power years ago when I stumbled, but I still stumbled. Mm. It's an ongoing process. But I I know I'm now caring more about what Christ thinks of me and what Michelle thinks of me and what my friends think of me than my own gratification is worth. It's like once an addict, always an addict. Codependency is like an addiction to self. It is. In a sense, isn't it? Well, in fact, they all are. Every addiction is an addiction to self. Yeah. Um, it's a mask. Codependency is a mask. And I think, Graeme, that you're further along the path of recovery than I am, than I am just because you've been aware of it for longer. But I tell you what, boy, I've come a long way. Yeah, well, it's like the Tour de France, you know. Sometimes you look at the leader of the pack and you think, wow. And then uh, the very next day, you know, he's 10 miles behind you because he's had a fall. Mm. 
that's that's what this journey of recovery is all about. You know, it's sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. Yeah. The main thing is the journey. Yeah. Matthew 5, 6 tells us, uh, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Yeah, the main thing is the journey. And I've learned to find happiness and peace in the journey. Yeah. And not wait for the destination because that destination never yep. comes. I mean, Jesus, his invitation is not come and be where I am and then you'll have it made. Yep. His invitation is come follow me and that following is a journey. Yeah. So I'm learning that joy, you know, every day with gratitude. To me, at the end of the day, I don't really care what other people think about me anymore. I really don't. And I think that's probably telling me that my codependence is just about done. Mm. What other people think about me is none of my business and it is well with my soul. Mm -hmm. It really is. And and I feel really, really at peace. And it's not because I've got heaps of money, because I haven't. It's not because I've got a good marriage. I have. It's only because I know that a greater power than me has got it all covered and I'm happy for him to carry the load. He's wanting to, he's he's equipped to do it, and I'm giving it to him. Well, like we said, it's a journey and I'm so glad to be able to share it with you, Graham. Me, you. Me, you, Ellie. I hope we get to share a bit more soon. Oh, we will. We will. So courage, hang in there. You too, brother. We'll keep putting one foot ahead of the other. And don't do everything that I do because quite often you'll go up the wrong path. No, I can't do all the stuff that you do and you can't do the stuff that I do. No, I don't. So yeah, there. I don't. I can't. Yeah. God bless, mate. Catch you soon. You too. Ta-da. See you. Bye. Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To sign up for Graham and Ellie's daily spiritual message emails about recovering from addictions, hurts and hang-ups, visit goodnewsunlimited.com. To book Graham and Ellie for talks, get in touch at the same website. And if you're troubled by anything you've heard, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or an equivalent service in your own country. Thanks for listening. Mates in Courage. Catch you in the next episode.